Welcome back to the season-ending edition of Dear Old State. I am the athletic college football editor, Matt Brown, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. And Audrey, we had a somewhat expected but abrupt ending to a very, very, very strange 2020 season with Penn State beating Illinois and then opting out of a bowl game. Your thoughts? What's your reaction as the season comes to a close? Yeah, it was a fitting, quick ending to a very weird season. Penn State, but Matt, to their credit, they got nine games in in nine weeks, which I didn't think was going to happen. (laughs) You know, it's It's like not a not a knock on any other team that like had problems because it's all random. And Penn State was lucky that an opponent didn't have to cancel, but still, it's pretty impressive that they had like no problems that we know about and got all these games in and all that. So successful season in that respect. I mean, the thing, I guess, the only maybe twinge of surprise I'll put it that way um, was the bowl game announcement and again you know I had been asking players dating back to like you know like last week and a half or so about hey just you know generally speaking what are your thoughts on a bowl game if you go if you don't go Uh, some guys certainly had said they wanted to go Uh, you know Jahan Dotson Jesse Lucchetta or at least that's what they're telling us Matt but again it's true they all want to play it's you just never, you want to sacrifice another week and a half and go this. through all these protocols yeah. and fly to Charlotte or Arizona for basically another road game after Christmas and take how many more COVID tests and not see your family again and not see your family for Christmas. So add it all up and I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely do too. And it's a decision that James Franklin said was going to be made by the the captains and the leadership council. Uh, so, But the strange thing was they were like taking this vote post game. So we were talking with James Frank Franklin while the players were in the locker room deciding what to do about a bowl game. And then they flipped and like we got the players and Franklin was like I guess talking with, you know, some of the leaders on the team and the players then were instructed not to say anything about a bowl game. And so then of course by 11:30 Saturday night, um they had announced that they'd turned down all opportunities. So it was just kind of bizarre in that you didn't you didn't get as many like season ending type of questions with the players because right. there was so much talk about Illinois. And it's like, I, you know, you just didn't know how they were going to play this and Hey, are you going to be talking to James Franklin on Sunday about a bowl bid? Like it was just a lot coming at you in a short amount of time, but really Matt, it's 2020. I totally get the decision. I respect the decision. Um, get these players out of town, let them go home, see their families. And now the, it was other the longest thing, two month season ever. That's for sure. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> and it, I tell you what, it felt it even from from my the Indiana game feels like it was eight months ago, and it was like literally a, a nine week season. Like yeah, bizarre. there's so many things. Like you think back to the preseason, and you're like, I remember we had media day like late September, and like you could tell me that we had media day back in like June, and yeah. I would have believed it. Like it just it felt like it. But the thing that now I'm curious to see what Penn State football does. Uh, Penn State University announced on Friday that uh, they're going to begin the spring semester January 19th, which is as planned, but everything is going to be online until mid-February. So dorms are going to be closed, dining halls are going to be closed, um, all of that stuff. So I guess my, my question is going to be, um, will football come back mid-January and start training like they did in the summer, you know, in their small groups and all that and getting tested and all those types of things, or will they wait and come back in February when everybody else returns? I don't know. Uh, My gut tells me that they will probably come back in mid January, which gives them like a month away right now. Uh, And that's when early enrollees were planning to arrive anyway. So, but I'm I'm just kind of curious about that because it's a new little wrinkle here. 
Yeah, lots of new wrinkles for sure. We have decisions to be made over the next three, four weeks as to who comes back. Uh, we know Pat Frymuth is gone. That was breaking news. That wasn't actually breaking news at all. Like everybody just yeah. knew that this would be it for him. Uh, but first things first, we should go over the last game we do get to talk about for a while until September, where we'll maybe maybe a blue white game in April, whatever that might look like. Yeah, if it exists. who knows? We don't know. Uh, but Penn State beats Illinois 56 to 21 to end the season on a four game winning streak. Finishes four and five, first losing season since 2004. But um, also comes with the asterisk of no non conference play, no MAC team, no nothing like that. But weird game. Uh, if I would have told you that Illinois had 21 points in the first quarter and then finished with 12 first downs and 273 yards, that would sound very weird. But uh, <laughs> while first quarter and then Penn State just completely dominated the game biggest takeaway from the game Audrey what do you got that first quarter was insane uh, <laughs> you know both teams combined fun. <laughs> 42 points and I- I'm sitting there like oh my god this game is never going to end um it was so strange and it was just like the 2020 classic version of the Penn State defense in the first half uh but this time just for a quarter where it was like oh my gosh you know the tackling's poor they're struggling how in the world is this going to happen? Illinois Nobody is... wanted to tackle on either team in the first quarter. <laughs> no, and Illinois is super shorthanded. They had made mention on the broadcast they only had 19 scholarship players on defense available, which is like absolutely mind-numbing uh, when you think about it. But, you know, to the defense's credit and sifting through the, the post-game audio uh, Sunday, one of the things that Brandon Smith said that, yeah, Coach Pryor was pretty pissed off on the sideline during that first quarter. Uh, and, you know, a couple other players have mentioned too, like, yeah, Pryor had a stern talking to with them during that first quarter to, to get things to turn around. But Matt, in terms of a takeaway, I've got one for the defense and then one for the offense. And for the defense, it's Brandon Smith. And he looked like that five-star prospect. I mean, yep. he was firing coming off the edge. He was disruptive. You saw the speed. And I know one of the things, and I know fans have made quite a bit of mention of it too, is you just want to make sure he's not overrunning plays um, and over pursuing because you're starting to see that comfort, that ability level that, you know, had Penn State so intrigued with him for the last few years. And Brandon, after the game did say, yeah, he's feeling much more comfortable right now. He's able to react. And that's something that he wasn't doing week one, week two, week three. And he acknowledged that. So to me, he is the key to this defense in 2021 and they need somebody to step up to be that game changer or that eraser. And he's starting to me, he's starting to look like he's going to be that guy. Uh, Then for the offense. And I've talked about these guys, you know, a few times this year. And it, it, to me, it it continues to be interesting and worth the attention, but the young tight ends, Brenton strange, Theo Johnson, I really like what they're doing with them. I really like the skill sets there. I mean, you're seeing these guys, It's not just like the oversized receiver catching passes. Like these guys have been blocking and blocking well for weeks now. And you look at Fryermuth moving on and it's like the one silver lining in all of that. And with his injury is that you were able to get Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson on the field an awful lot uh, this season. And that to me, again, spins it ahead to, uh, to 2021. Absolutely. Well, I think we have gone too long also without mentioning the words Jahan Dotson. (laughs) <laughs> yes 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 six catches 800 or sorry, 800 yards six catches 189 <laughs> like yards it. two touchdowns uh just you know a wild beginning of the game where uh penn state's first three touches were a 75 yard touchdown pass from sean clifford to john Hunt, john dotson on the first play of the game and then a fumble which led to illinois scoring 
Uh, and then Lamont Wade returning a kick 100 yards for a touchdown. And then Dotson, of course, added a 70-yard touchdown in the second quarter, also had a 50-yard punt return. Uh, so all-around fantastic day for Jahan Dotson, who uh, third-team All-Big Ten, probably a little bit disrespected there. Uh, he was not happy he with that. Yeah. Understandably. He fit it. Yeah. I mean, again, different numbers of games. Penn State played more games than every Big Ten team other than Rutgers but finishes with 884 receiving yards, which is 200 more receiving yards than anybody else in the conference. Uh, tie for first with touch, eight touchdowns, uh, second with 52 touch, with fifty two catches, average 98 receiving yards per game, and then, of course, had the punt return for a touchdown last week against Michigan State and then a big punt return against Illinois. So finishes the year with 52 catches, 884 yards, eight touchdowns, and only nine games. Uh, it was the Saturday was the sixth best Penn State receiving game ever, I believe, if I'm recalling mm-hmm. correctly. Yes, yes. And he's it was he finishes in the top 15 for season yards, and again, that's in only nine games. So uh, can't say enough about his growth because people question whether he was going to be a number one receiver. Like it was just by default, and he more than lived up to it. And uh, kudos to him. It, it, it's unfortunate for Penn State in that it puts a tough decision on his plate because yes. he might be able to go pro. I think he's still kind of an under-the-radar prospect because he kind of caught everybody by surprise this year. Uh, but seems like there's a decision to make. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I asked Jahan about uh, two weeks ago after the game, um, after the Michigan State game. And I said, you know, you've put yourself in this position where there probably maybe is a decision to make, you know, what do you think about it? And, um, you know, he just says says all the right things consistently and says, you know, he's going to hadn't really been thinking about it, was focused on the game, this and that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's definitely a decision for him to think about for sure. Uh, I mean, you just you look at him, Matt, and the progression, you're seeing it every single year. And it also goes back to can you imagine what would have happened had he actually signed with UCLA and how that would have been, you say, Oh my gosh, look at in state and so much of, you know, we can look at 2021 with recruiting and the struggles in Pennsylvania. Like this was another Pennsylvania guy who you brought here develop despite all of the coaching changes in that wide receiver room. I mean, here's the other part of it. This could be the first year. Should he return? And again, we don't know what he's going to do, but should he return? This would be the first time in his collegiate career where he's had the same position coach in back-to-back years. I mean, that's just, it's crazy, but Again, kudos to Taylor Stubblefield uh, for getting Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, taking Jahan Dotson to another level. I mean, Stubblefield had his work cut out for him in a very unusual offseason and was able to do it. Now, I'll also go back and say you got to credit Jared Parker for bringing these guys in and recruiting them as well. Uh, You have to do that. And, of course, going back, you know, a few coaches prior to that with, with bringing Dotson in. But yeah, Matt, I mean, you're starting to see more and more of the explosive element with him as a punt returner. Um, I had asked him because he had made mention the previous week on that punt return for a touchdown against Michigan State that the team tracks like with GPS and stuff, how fast they're moving on plays. And it was a really big goal for him because teammates have given him a lot of flack the last couple of years about his speed and not thinking he's fast enough. He said he hit 20 miles per hour. Um, during that return, which got his name on like some board in the facility that I'm sure we'll never see, but like it's a board there with their speeds during plays. So to me, that's going to be the question with him. If he pursues that next level this year is I think the speed is going to be the the biggest thing, but yeah, it's a guy, he's a guy that, I mean, I asked our Dane Brugler about him a couple weeks ago, just kind of where he thought he'd maybe stack up and Dane wanted to watch more film on him to kind of get a better idea. But 
I'll go back to that Ohio State game, Matt. To me, that was yeah. the this guy's playing on Sunday. And and the thing I wrote on the athletic after the game uh, Saturday night, I focused it all on Dotson. And you can trace back this season and say, you know what? That play that should have put Indiana to bed, the 60-yard touchdown, that was Jahan Dotson. You know, you can go back, the punt return, that was Jahan Dotson. I mean, there's so many examples week in and week out of him making plays that I don't know what that decision is going to be. But God help us, Matt, if we have to go another offseason with questions about the receiving core. <laughs> well, we're going to, <laughs> I yeah, feel like. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we, we could be headed that direction. It's a... A weird year for statistics, obviously, but like you look at the numbers, Penn State is one of three Big Ten teams to average more than 400 yards per game on offense. And now this is one of the things that shows the difference between yards per game and yards per play. Penn State mm-hmm. just ran a lot of plays this year for various reasons. Yes. Uh, second in the Big Ten with 430 yards per game, but only uh, seventh in yards per play at 5.5. So what a big difference there. Uh, but this was you know easily Penn State's best offensive game all around if you add up the numbers, 580 yards. 7.25 yards per play. It's the first time they've averaged more than six yards per play, and they went over seven. So big game for the offense all around. Uh, no Devin Ford available, but uh, again, but Kevon Lee, 19 carries, 85 yards. Because Holmes, 12 carries, 77 yards. They first actually touchdown let, for him too. That's right. They let the running backs run the ball. Uh, <laughs> both of those guys and had more carries Levis than Levis and throw Clifford. The ball? Yeah, Kevon Lee had more carries than Levis and Clifford combined. So there you go. Um, but good game for the quarterbacks too. Sean Clifford was 16 of uh, 22 for 285 yards, two touchdowns, obviously helped by Jahan Dotson and his yards after the catch, but a clean game for Clifford for sure. And yeah, Will Levis made a couple of plays too, three of five, 42 yards on the touchdown. So yeah, all in all beyond the, the early fumble, it was basically like a mistake free game on offense. And uh, that's how you end up with 56 points. Albeit again, against an extremely shorthanded defense with a head coach that just got fired <laughs> but still it's and the it's, new head coach standing something. on the sideline <laughs> yes exactly so yes no brett bielema coaching for illinois but penn state will see him a lot because uh, illinois is on the crossover schedule like for the next several years so it'll be a lot of brett bielema in beaver stadium to come lucky um, us so yeah all arounds you know again it's comes with an asterisk based on the opponent and, and all of that and what illinois was dealing with but penn state took advantage and so uh, finished on a on a high note on off for sure and and you know that to me Matt is also why I think it's easier to which again I would understand the bold decision even had they lost this game just because of the challenges of this year but to me you know you've got momentum Um, I don't know if if there really is such a thing as momentum carrying from one season to the next that type of thing Um, but I do think morale matters yeah yeah (laughs) it's you know what it's easier for these guys to go home for a month or maybe a month and a half who knows and kind of stomach the way this thing ended uh, knowing that there were signs of growth, there were signs of positivity, uh, you know, all these younger guys getting involved. And that's going to be critical for, you know, the future of this team. And so you ended on the best possible note, at, which is something that, again, don't take for granted because this team was 0-5 and we're thinking, oh, my God, they could win all the games. They could lose all the games. It's a coin flip. Um, but kudos to Penn State for hanging in there, for finishing 4-5. and five. And really, to me, Matt, it now becomes, you know, what can this offense look like next year? Uh, I mean, the quarterback question or situation to me is going to be the storyline of the offseason. What does Sean Clifford look like with a presumably more normal offseason with Kirk Shiraka? 
Again, we don't know about spring football or spring game. We have no idea how that's going to play out. Uh, but is your answer at the quarterback position on this roster? Um, are they going to dip into the transfer portal more? Something that they said they had intended to do this offseason and already have because Monday afternoon, uh, John Lovett, a grad transfer running back from Baylor, had tweeted out um, a photo of himself in a Penn State uniform. So Penn State already active in the transfer portal. And to me, the, the Lovett edition is interesting because, again, we always say, oh, wow, how many running backs do they have on scholarship? They have a ton of them. But Matt, 2020 showed us time and time again, you could never have too many scholarship running backs. So you go out, you get yourself a grad transfer, you bring him into a room that is still relatively young. Um, you know, when you consider that by the end of the year, you only had two true freshmen available. So I don't know what that room is going to look like after spring ball. Um, but to me, that was a, a nice pickup just because you look at somebody who's played a lot of football older presence in the room uh, now you just got to kind of figure more more about love it and get to know him a little bit better yeah definitely definitely surprised uh you know i who knows we, we know that you know somebody could leave somebody mm-hmm. get hurt like but did not expect still did not expect running back to be like the first position they went after but love it's a guy who's from new jersey um yeah. didn't yeah, have, had, kind of didn't do much this year but in the past he had 655 rushing yards in 2019 he had 573 in 2018. He had 445 as a freshman in 2017. So he's done some things. He's not going to come in and be the starter, but he looks like a guy who can come in. His experience can have a role depending on how the running back rotation shakes out, which again, it's a question. It's, it's just strange because you look at what we expect. Now, again, somebody could leave. We don't know all that's yeah. going on, but you look, we expect Noah Kane, Devin Ford, Keziah Holmes, and Keevon Lee to be back. And like all of those guys could end up being quality starting running backs. So I just don't know. It's, it's like we need more information about how he's going to fit in and, and what that situation looks like. But yeah, I, I didn't expect a running back. And honestly, I, I don't expect a transfer quarterback, but I could be wrong because I didn't expect one running back. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think they've rebuilt Sean Clifford's confidence. Mm-hmm. Like he's still not playing, you know, at some extraordinary level, but they rebuilt his confidence. He settled in. He stopped making a ton of mistakes you know, I think they can go from here and hopefully get more in-person work in the offseason. Um, so, you know, given the number of quarterbacks that they'll have on the roster, five slated to be yeah. back, I doubt there's a quarterback coming in unless there's like an exodus of guys. And I don't don't really anticipate that. But Or yeah, every- unless you get some slam dunk player in the pool, Exactly. You know, and, exactly. and then I think then you explore. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I still think this is Sean Clifford's job. Um, and I, I think the end of the season, again, showed you he could, he was managing games. He was being, as you said, rebuilt. Um, I still, I wrote it a few weeks ago and I stand by it. I think the answer in 2021 to the quarterback room is on this roster. Here's a, um, here's a question. Where do you yeah. think Sean Clifford finished in the big 10 in passing efficiency? Oh, geez. Um, well, because we had so many different numbers of games for other teams, I'm going to top three, maybe third. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Now, now, it was like looking at the numbers, like, you know, the offense numbers too. The fact that only three Big Ten teams average over 400 yards of offense, like, it was an awful was year weird. for offense yeah. in the Big Ten. <laughs> like, and again, nobody had uh, games against, you know, MAC teams to pad their stats early and look a little bit better. But still, defense was way ahead of the offense in the Big in the Big Ten this year. Like, we looked at, you know, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. It looked like he was going to light the world on fire the first couple of games. Then he finished, he's eighth in the Big Ten of pass efficiency. So Clifford's numbers aren't like 
great. Um, if you look nationally, he's uh, 51st in pass efficiency, but he kind of he he definitely grew over the course of the se- over the second half of the season during the winning streak. Just kind of again settled down and finishes at. 60.6%, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions, only 7.5 yards per attempt, which was down from 8.3 last year. But his numbers aren't like – they're down from last year, but not mm-hmm. like off a cliff, which they looked like they were going to be for the first few games. So, again, I'm not saying Sean Clifford turned himself into Trace McSorley or Kerry Collins or Todd yeah. Blackledge in the second <laughs> half of the year, but he settled down and, and, and didn't cost them games. And given how the season started, that was, that was growth. Yeah, and I think the other part of this, too, uh, that we have to mention, because it was definitely relevant on Saturday, but certainly will be in 2021, uh, some of what we're seeing from this offensive line, uh, Juice Scruggs is a yeah. player. Uh, we saw that really beautiful blocking on the the screen pass uh, that Dotson took to the for the touchdown, his second touchdown of the game. And to me, Matt, you know, you don't, again, with this whole senior year of eligibility, this extra year, um, who knows if anybody actually does that? I mean, I don't think we're going to see that, but you got to figure, okay, Michael Mennett, let's say he moves on. Will Fries, let's say if he moves on. Um, well, fifth year senior is fully expected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, that's just kind of these guys have been here a very, very long time. Uh, they've played a lot of football. I also think uh, Rashid Walker is somebody that, is going to be interesting to, especially for the next month. And if there's a decision there for him, he is draft eligible. Uh, Athletic left tackles are not easy to come by. So I don't know again, where kind of where that could stand, but I'm just throwing it out. There's something to keep an eye on. But to me, the development of Scruggs one, it's a great story. Um, When you look at his, just what he had to go through personally after being in a really uh, difficult car accident to come back and be able to play and just to be healthy was a really really big step but now that he's putting it together to me that's going to be interesting you know moving yeah. forward into 2021 so you saw growth and development from that offensive line throughout the year too which again don't dismiss that because that was so much you know during that 0 and 5 it was oh this line this line this line well it took some time for them to get their footing to get full Troutwine's new techniques down but they turned a corner too. So I thought, again, ending on a high note, a positive note for them as well. And yeah, I, I mean, want to I, see more Juice Scruggs in the future. Yeah. I, I, again, we have no idea about Rashid Walker. I, you know, mm-hmm. you'd expect him to come back. You know, it's a guy who could really grow into like a, a star next year, you feel mm-hmm. like. And, you know, offensive linemen certainly benefit from more experience, more experience, more experience. And they could get a third year as a starter in the Big Ten. That would be, if he comes back, that would be, you know, between, Walker, Caden Wallace, and Scruggs, I feel like that is a really, really strong, like, rising core to build around, especially with a, you know, actual year to work under Phil Troutwine. Again, you can't dismiss how important losing the spring was for the offensive line when you you talk about how Troutwine wanted to, like, change everybody's technique and change their approach to playing offensive line. So, you know, that's, again, everybody dealt with the not having, like, a real, real offseason, but when you have four new position coaches and one of them is trying to like change the whole technique of the offensive line, you can't dismiss that. It's not an excuse, but it's still played into what happened. And we saw them get better, as you said, and they've recruited, you know, they have the young talent on the line. So I think you leave the season feeling cautiously optimistic about where the offensive line is heading, especially if Walker comes back next year. 
Yeah, and the other one in there too, uh, C.J. Thorpe starts the year, loses his starting position, and then medically was unavailable down the stretch. So, you know, again, how does he factor back into that? You could and probably maybe should or will have a really strong nucleus returning up front. Uh, so yeah, Menon to me- is tough to, to replace as a guy who just played, had a really, really rock solid career. Oh, yeah. State. But I, I think we've seen guys emerge that they should be able to withstand that. Whereas a few years ago, they wouldn't be able to withstand losing a guy like Menon. No, no, absolutely not. And I think it's, again, it, it's a testament to getting guys ready behind the scenes. And that's why, you know, the spring game and spring ball is always so interesting because that's when you get to learn and see, these younger guys and see them, you know, on the field more and those kinds of things. But yeah, all in all, I think the offense is trending in the right direction, which again, wasn't something that we were so sure we were going to be saying at 0 and 5 defensively Shane Simmons did announce on Monday uh, that he will not pursue the extra year of eligibility. So this is a, uh, it's a wrap for him. And he was starting back-to-back games down the stretch because Jason Oway was out due to injury and I guess, Matt, that's kind of the other big question there, right? Um, what maybe happens with Owe, who surely the testing numbers are, are going to flash, are going to pop, are going to wow people. Um, it would be very strange, just on paper, and I, I know sacks aren't always the most indicative stat, but it would be very strange on paper if someone, you know, leaves and has never had a, uh, did not have a sack this year, but well, the interesting again, thing was the big 10 coaches clearly saw what yes. the stats didn't mm-hmm. show. Cause he was voted first team all big 10 by the coaches. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is the thing. And, and I know I've heard it so much from fans, but, Oh my God, how can always still be, you know, a projected top talent, blah, 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 blah. Like you, you have to remember too, like he was late to football. That's the other part of this, the whole thing since he's been here, Remember Sean Spencer would always call him the mannequin. They have to mold and shape him and a very bright guy as well. And they wanted to get him, you know, up to speed just with football and football IQ, because this wasn't something that, you know, he wasn't playing since the time he was in diapers or pop Warner, all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, the the physical attributes are there. And that to me is going to be one of the biggest questions on this team, because Dotson certainly is a big one too. Um, but yeah, what, what happens with OA? I don't know, but to me, Matt, um, again, you see the, the pressure that he was able to generate again, didn't show up in terms of sex, but the pressure was there. Uh, this guy is a physical specimen. So you just have to wonder, um, if he's maybe not back next year, I don't know. Um, but that to me was kind of the, if, if there was somebody who I thought on this roster would maybe pursue that extra year of eligibility, um, I thought maybe it would be Simmons just because of the fact that we don't know what what um, what Oway is going to do. And I thought, OK, if Oway leaves, Simmons then steps into a starting role. But again, they're very high on Adisa Isaac as well. So you want to get him reps. But now with Simmons moving on, you got to see what Oway is going to do. And I'll take it back. And again, maybe this is foreshadowing. Maybe it's not. But James Franklin's comment um, last week gosh, the early signing period, it feels like it was a month ago, but last week where he said that they want to be active in the transfer portal with safeties um, and defensive ends. So maybe they know something we don't. I mean, you just look at the roster and defensive line has been like the one position over the years. It's like, oh, no, there's no concern there. Like they recruit Mm -hmm. well, they have great coaching. And, uh, you know, not that John Scott isn't, you know, a good coach. We just haven't seen, like we, it was such a reliable thing every year. With, with Sean Spencer and they recruited well. Now 
they're going to lose Antonio Shelton. They're going to lose Shaka Tony. They're going to lose Shane Simmons. Maybe they lose Owe. Uh, you know, defensive end depth is not as it could be good. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. There's a lot of unknowns there. I think Adisa Isaac will be just fine stepping into a starting role. Maybe he didn't have the season like you know the season that people yeah. expected, but he was you know still coming off the bench. And you, you'd think he will grow into a formidable presence as a starting defensive end next year. But, you know, if OA leaves, the other spot is completely wide open. You know, I, I couldn't tell you who yeah. I think is going to start. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of options there. But again, it comes back to a lot of younger guys on proven talent. Um, and how do you kind of do that? And, and you know, who, who are those people who step into those roles? Uh, you got to look at PJ Mustafer on the in, inside, but who else is in there with him? Um, well, PJ Mustafer draft eligible, so guy technically yeah, who has to mm-hmm. make a decision. But and I, you, know. you look at you know you saw Culpepper flash a little bit this year, and then there were you know spurts where you really didn't hear or see much from him. Um, you know you saw Devon Ellis at the very at the tail end of the was it the Michigan. No, it wasn't the Michigan. One of the one of the games late, we saw him. Um, maybe the Rutgers game, I think it was actually. But I mean, again, it's you've got some of these younger guys in there. Hakeem Beeman had flashed at points this year and then was unavailable for a few games. So he looks like a guy who could end up starting. Yeah, I, to me, he he almost looks like a mini Kevin Givens. That's uh, and I, that's a that's a pretty pretty high praise there. Um, but yeah, I think Beeman's going to be somebody definitely to kind of keep an eye out for in the next year or so. But yeah, I mean, this defensive line could look pretty different potentially you know kind of especially seeing what Owe does um and the secondary too I mean that's you know Tariq Castro Fields this was supposed to be the bounce back year medically wasn't available for much of the season uh which okay hindsight you know the younger guys gives them opportunities you saw that but even they were banged up too I mean the corner room was really decimated by injuries at various points this year and James Franklin had made the mention Saturday night that this team as a whole was razor thin he said at several positions uh toward the end of this year and I think the secondary was definitely one of them but you look at Lamont Wade presumably moving on. You look at Jaquan Brisker, somebody who we don't know for sure, but I would presume is going to move on. Um, what do you do at safety? Who are those guys? Who steps in? That to me, Matt, is why you, you got to keep you know your eyes peeled this spring because you have Sutherland, who's really just been a special teams and a rotational player up to this point. Uh, so what else can you do back there, you know? Yeah, it's just a lot of unknowns. We, you know, we, don't, we haven't really seen much of Tyler Rudolph, of Jair Brown. Mm-hmm. We saw a little bit of him early in the year, but uh, Enzo Jennings, who was one of the best recruits in this class. So, you know, again, they've recruited some some talent there. It's just we don't we don't really know. Um, you know, Brisker might have been underrated this year. Pro Football Focus named him a first team All American based on his play. I think they specifically said it how he plays in the box against the run, and uh, he's got a Senior Bowl invitation. So presumably, not coming back. He if if. Like he was one of the ones, like if we, we were asked, you know, who we think might take advantage of the extra year, I would have maybe pointed to him as somebody, you know, who could come back and have a full season of like being like all big 10 type of player. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. You know, three cashier fields, I might point to as somebody who's kind of lost the season to injury. But at this point, I, I don't know if I accept, expect any senior to come back. I mean, maybe there'll be one. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, Penn State got in it. mostly a full season, and it was an unusual season. Mm-hmm. But it was still an exhausting season, uh, uh, even if only nine games. 
um, that I don't know if there's really many obvious candidates to come back like fifth year seniors. I wouldn't expect at all. And uh, beyond that. So I, I don't know. I, I don't really know that anybody is going to going to take it. Maybe they'll probably, they'll, there will probably be one that just surprises us or something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, there's nobody I would point to that said, yeah, I expect that guy will come back. Yeah. You, this roster is certainly in 2021 is not going to be built by sixth year seniors. Like I just, I just don't no, see it. And I think, yeah. you know, oftentimes um, fans, I think maybe forget like, these guys are ready to move on in so many instances, you know, it's, they've been in school for a very long time. They've been living this regimented lifestyle of, you know, academics and football for a very, very long time for many people. They just want to focus on one thing, whether that's football or in the case of Simmons, he said he wants to focus on his business career. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Um, and I think the demands of, of what these guys have to do on a daily basis, just to be able to get on the field uh, in some cases, be a part of a rotation. I mean, it is, it's a massive, massive, massive commitment. Uh, I guess too, Matt, the, the other point with this, the specialists and the special teams moving forward, um, this to me gets a little interesting because between Jordan Stout, Jake Penniger, uh, and Sanders Sahadik coming in, the freshman who signed last week, um, you're going to have three Competition. <laughs> scholarships invested in kickers. Yeah, that to me is a little, little fuzzy, little hairy there. Yeah, we'll see. It was it was an uneven year, I guess you could say, for the special teams. You added up, you know, Pinniger was nine of thirteen, Jordan Stout with two of five. Obviously, Stout has the asterisk of all of his field goals are very long. Um, certainly yeah. uneven as a punter. So just mm-hmm. it was kind of all over the place on special teams this year. We they got a spark from Lamont Wade, it's kick returner late, and John Dotson as a punt returner late, but kind of all over the map. So yeah, I you know, based on eligibility, everybody comes back uh, in terms of the two kickers and then adding somebody in. So it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if there's competition there and to see if roles change at all uh, heading into 2021. Yeah. I thought it was the, the uh, Penninger miss against the Illinois game too. It's like, okay. I mean, these are what before the half, like these should be chip shots, you know, when you're talking inside, you know, mid thirties and that kind of thing um, and just couldn't connect. I thought it was a really strange year for him. And I'm not sure why, I mean, we haven't heard, um, from Joe Lorg since the preseason. So I would just kind of be curious on, on his thoughts there. And you're to your point about Lamont Wade. I mean, again, this is somebody who's back there because of all the injuries and the fact that Devin Ford wasn't able to play down the stretch. Uh, Wade had to lobby for that opportunity, you know, a couple of years ago because he wanted to do it. And I mean, you see that Matt, and I'll even go back to the Michigan state game where Wade had some positive places as a returner. And to me, it's kind of like, why? I mean, I understand their whole point was analytics, but a lot of fair catches happening back there this year, especially when you're 0-5 and I think you need a spark. I, I just, to me, that was always kind of a little peculiar wrinkle in a very peculiar year. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we didn't actually even mention today, really, and it's because it was so routine and dull, is signing day was last week. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't really talk about it much because there isn't much more to say. <laughs> yeah. Signs a class that is currently number 21 nationally in the 24-7 sports composite, fifth in the Big Ten, which is basically where it entered the day. It's just a day that didn't have a ton of surprises. Um, everybody signed who was expected to sign. Nobody did who wasn't. So just <laughs> every, every, every storyline had already been covered. There were some interesting comments, I guess. You can take us to comments made about in-state recruiting in Pennsylvania, which Penn State is being owning it and talking like honestly yes. about how they want to change that approach. 
but that was that was about it. There was just the, the only interesting things that happened really on Sunday day for Penn State were talk about what they're going to do in the future to fix what went wrong in this class. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing there, too, was that uh, Terry Smith, because I had asked, you know, specifically to both recruiting coordinators and also Andy Frank, who's their um, director of player personnel. So Andy, like, essentially runs the recruiting department. And I'd asked all of them, like, what has to change in Philadelphia? Because something clearly has to change in Philadelphia. When you look at some of these powerhouse programs like a St. Joe's Prep, um, you know, how do you go about getting a better foothold there? And the one thing that they all did acknowledge is that Terry Smith is now in charge of recruiting Philadelphia. That with all the staff changes the last offseason, Terry now has Pittsburgh and Philadelphia uh, and they think that because of his background, of course, I mean, again, he was at Temple at one point as an assistant, plus all of his ties through the PIAA uh, dating back to his high school coaching career, that he can help them get a better foothold there. Obviously, having Dion Barnes on the staff as a grad assistant is super, super important as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they weren't hiding from the fact that things did not go well for them in state in 2021. And James Franklin made a comment that I thought was was definitely a little uh, pointed. Now, he didn't come out and say this, but his comment was that, you know, sometimes you don't land players because maybe you didn't offer their brother and that comes back to bite you. Well, paging Nolan Rucci and Hayden Rucci because that exactly fits that billing. Yeah, I can't imagine who he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the thing too, because some fans, you know, are like, or even other reporters are like, well, he just said that, like, no, James Franklin is very calculated, very smart yes. with what he's going to say. He didn't just randomly say that. <laughs> right. uh, this was very much a pointed comment if you're able to parse through and really understand what he was saying. Um, and, and so to me, you know, so much has to change in Pennsylvania. We also talked about offering players early too, yes. right? And that's mm-hmm. Kyle McCord kind of talked about not getting... <laughs> like yeah, the benefit of the doubt from Penn State. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's something that, um, and again, I asked Andy Frank about that. Are you going to offer players earlier in Pennsylvania? Because so much of Penn State's uh, emphasis on the recruiting trail has always been and will always be they want guys at camp and they want guys at camp multiple times so they can work with them. They can see how they interact, kind of get to know their personalities. They get to know the coaches, all of that. Uh, But my question and my point is kind of like when you have guys that should be no brainers, essentially, why do you have to see them in camp multiple times? I mean, that again, when you're dealing with some elite level prospects, um, that would be the ideal, but it's not reality. Yeah, like (laughs) it's again, it's like you're Penn State. You're one of many offers these kids are going to have. Yes, you're the state school, but like there's certain kids you shouldn't need to see camp multiple times to kind of win your attention or get, get that offer after camping. Um, and so they said, yes, they are going to start offering earlier, um, especially in state guys. And it's also going to be interesting too, because in, you know, 2022, 2023, you're going to have different amounts of information because who the heck knows what recruiting camps look like this summer. Um, and they also have pointed to, in terms of Pennsylvania, the population changes in Western Pennsylvania is something that Terry Smith was showing James Franklin like studies about Franklin had said. So I want to learn more about that. Um, just kind of see where they're coming from on that. Um, but it was also, it was super weird because it was the early signing period. It was early signing day, but like the way the press conference was handled, it was like 15 minutes after practice with James Franklin. So like there were reporters asking questions about Illinois and like not about signing day. So I do hope we get to learn more from James Franklin about this class. I mean, 
The recruiting coordinators are always insightful, but again, it was also like a mixed bag just because it was such a weird year. So like Tyler Bowen was talking about recruiting and recruiting strategy. And then also about Brenton strange and the future of their room. Like it was just an all lot going on last month. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely bizarre. Um, but yeah, I think the big takeaway was certainly that things have to will, and they know need to change in Pennsylvania and to their credit so far in 2022, they're doing that. Well, Speaking of well, the next recruiting cycle in the next year, that's probably going to do it for us in 2020 here on Gerald State. Of course, Audrey will keep churning out the content on The Athletic about Penn State. We have lots lots to dissect in what's going to be the second most unusual offseason we've ever seen just because <laughs> we're still dealing with all the protocols and stuff. You know, we'll see how the rest of the year shakes out. We're all you know cautiously optimistic that next football season will look more normal. Uh, but in some respects, it will not be a normal offseason just because – the anticipated free pass for a transfer for one transfer, which could make the transfer portal especially interesting, which is mm-hmm. I think why Penn State is. I'll have a story on the portal this week, by the way. Um, so you got that. We have you know the decisions to be made about using an extra year of eligibility, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of interesting things. We still have the NFL draft decisions to be made as well. So going to be interesting to see. Uh, we will of course. Be covering it all on the athletic and uh we won't be weekly here on dear old state but we will chime in when we need to and we anticipate returning uh early january first week of january perhaps to wrap up the season give out some awards perhaps and uh discuss whatever eligibility news is happening and uh maybe <laughs> give some we'll have to do next podcast or a podcast just doing some very very early look aheads to how we think 2021 plays out so audrey i hope you have a fantastic christmas fantastic holiday yes, season here too. and uh yeah thanks to everybody for Ger- on Gerald for listening to Gerald state in this very strange football season where it we were we were happy we got to at least talk to talk about some wins on the stretch <laughs> so penn state finishes four and five we hope everybody has a happy healthy safe holiday season and uh yeah we will be back in 2021 on Gerald state